from Fox News. It's the campaign with Brett Baer. On Sunday night, President Trump signed both the $900 billion COVID-19 relief bill, along with the government funding bill, avoiding a government shutdown. The president signed the bills after advocating for a $2,000 stimulus check for Americans and challenging the omnibus spending bill, which he asserted contained too much pork and unnecessary spending. We'll start there with our panel, Washington Post columnist and AEI resident fellow, Mark Thiessen. Democratic strategist and syndicated talk radio host, Leslie Marshall, and co-founder and president of Real Clear Politics, Tom Bevan. Mark, it seemed like by signing these bills, this one bill, it's put together basically, uh, the president ended this drama of his own creation, even though uh, Secretary of Treasury Mnuchin was in on the conversation and the negotiations for weeks It came down to really the end here uh, for a solution, a signature. Yeah, I mean, it's it's utter insanity. Uh, You know, the the, first of all, keep in mind, the Democrats have been blocking covid relief since July. Um, And despite repeated Republican officers to offers to do a trillion dollar stimulus, they finally passed the covid relief just as the economic support programs are about to expire. But instead of taking credit, he threatens to veto the bill. And that was passed with Republican votes and negotiated by his own Treasury Secretary. That left millions of Americans spending Christmas wondering if they were going to be left to fend for themselves when they, during this worst period of the pandemic, when all the economic support disappears, and people will not soon forget that. Um, and it left left Senators Purdue and Loeffler, who are you know fighting for not just for their own Senate seats, but to keep the, the Senate in Republican hands, you know, stuck with this. They could they couldn't take credit for the emergency uh, relief because the president was holding on to it for for 5 days when we when they're 2 weeks out from an election and potentially in the position of having to override his veto and anger his base just as they go to the polls and then he ended Pelosi and Schumer a cudgel to use against Republicans because they're not going to pass $2000 stimulus checks so they can beat them up and use Trump to do it and it makes him look like a lame duck so it's just a disaster all around yeah there really wasn't many people that looked at it and said there's a plus to it. You know, what did he get out of it, Leslie? Um, the obviously the bill process is heinous in Washington, especially when they throw everything together at the end. And there is a lot of pork in there that lobbyists managed to get into Christmas tree ornaments on a on a bill like that. But as far as like foreign aid, that stuff is submitted by the State Department early in the process, and it seemed like it was a uh, end around to start arguing about the aid to Pakistan when the bill is on your desk after weeks of negotiation. No, I would agree with you there. I mean, um, it, it's a cold day in you know where when Mark and I agree on something and um, we, we are agreeing today. Look, uh, I, I get angry when uh, my party, Democrats, and when Speaker Pelosi, you know, add any kind of pork or Republicans do as well, especially when you're talking about people who are really Um, having a very difficult time among this pandemic uh, without their benefits, uh, not knowing uh, whether or not they're going to, as you uh, rightly mentioned, uh, both Brett and Mark, you know, you know, how are they going to feed their family? How are they going to pay for their rent or or their mortgage? Here's the problem. You know, there are a lot of problems with this. One, you know, it's not enough. The 600 is not enough. Two, uh, the president looks to be in in lockstep, if you will, with uh, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer when he's talking about 2000, which, you know, Democrats are going to continue from my party pushing for. And in addition to that, Brett, 
this is not the art of the deal. This is the art of how not to do a deal. Because if you're going to sign something that you have poo-pooed for so long, he should have signed it earlier because what Americans look at is an outgoing president who cared more about playing golf and and fighting the uh, election than fighting for them. He could have signed this earlier. People could have had prior to the holidays at least some relief, knowing some relief, $600 was on the way. Mark, do you think this hurts Purdue and Leffler in, in Georgia? I certainly think it does because for one, they they lost. You know, so we're two weeks out from a, from a uh, from this very high stakes uh, Senate runoff, and for the last week, they haven't been really able to campaign, saying that they worked with President Trump to pass this emergency COVID relief. They haven't been able to take credit for it, and they may and they were put in a position where they would have to uh, they would, might have to vote to override his veto. Um, and then they've got the same problem with the National Defense Authorization, where you've got the for 59 years, the defense authorization has been signed into law until now. And it was passed with Republican votes. Georgia is a state with a lot of military bases. It's a 3% pay raise for, uh, for, uh, for American servicemen and women and $740 million in, uh, billion in, in military spending. And the president vetoed it. And so now they're in a, stuck in a position of having to either flip-flop, having voted for it, and vote against it or, and vote against the military pay raise or vote to override the president's veto and anger his supporters in the state who uh, don't like any defiance of the president. So this all of this chaos, this is why he lost the election, Brett, honestly. I mean, you know, the, the, the millions of Americans who like his policies don't like this chaos, were tired of this chaos, and they decided to not vote for him. And all of this just validates their choice. Um, it, it's destructive to the party, it's destructive to him, and it's destructive to the country. I mean, that's interesting. I've heard some Republicans say that, and I think it does carry some weight, Leslie, in that there is a tiredness of you know, being pushed to the brink every time. Um, that said, you know, Washington is not the smoothest as far as it operates, uh, and eventually somebody has to pay for something. Um, I know we're in the middle of an emergency and a, a COVID emergency, but eventually, you know, $27 trillion is going to catch up to us. Not the Democrats or Republicans care about the deficit or debt in recent weeks and months, but eventually they have to. Yes, they have to. But you know what? The, the voters don't care about that right now, Brett. And I'm going to disagree with Mark uh, with Georgia. I'm, I'm a, a pessimist by nature. And I have to say it, it's just going to come down to people. You know, can the Democrats get Democrats get more voters out or can the Republicans get more voters out for some for some people? It's, you know, a race between a man and a woman on one side. Uh, For other people, it's uh, a race between uh, the old and the new, the old Georgia and the new Georgia after Joe Biden won Georgia and flipped that red state blue. For some, it is going to be a a race between a a white and an African-American. But I think there are a lot of people that are just going to show up regardless of their disappointment uh, with these, um, you know, two Republican senators uh, in their state. Uh, with the president and and the rhetoric, I think it just comes down to: Do they believe it's all fraudulent and just stay home, or do they come out and vote because they want their party to win? And I really think it just comes down to that. You, you know, they either want the left, the Democrat, and, and and Georgia to be completely blue, and Mitch McConnell not to lead the Senate, or completely the opposite. And I think that's what it comes down to. So I I really don't think um, that you know, even though yes, the chaos was one of the reasons that Donald Trump. Uh, will be a one-term president. It, this, this is, I don't think, going to affect 
uh, these races because I think people have blinders on and they're really just looking at all of those issues I just mentioned. Tom, what about Georgia? We were talking about how, you know, Trump's decisions about this bill and the signing late and all of the chaos possibly affects Georgia. But he is also going down there to campaign in two spaces where early voting for Republicans is a little diminished in Dalton, Georgia, and Valdosta, Georgia, two places where Republicans were hoping for bigger numbers so far and they haven't gotten them. The president's going down to campaign. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with Leslie. I don't know that, that what's going on with the relief bill is, is going to have any sort of material impact. Uh, a lot of people have already voted. And I think, but I do think the mixed messaging is is potentially an issue. And the president's going to go down there. He's going to rally the troops, and you know what he's going to say because <laughs> we know Donald Trump. He's gonna he's going to promote David Perdue and Kelly Loeffler, and he's going to say, "Look, you got to go vote." And he's he'll do that half the time. And the other half of his rally, he's going to spend railing against this election and railing against the results in Georgia and railing against Brian Kemp and and the secretary of state and saying the vote was fraudulent and stolen and and close by saying and oh by the way go to go to the polls uh tomorrow and vote for these republicans because it matters and that is i mean look if it's fifty thousand people who don't turn out or you know ten thousand people even i mean it could make a difference uh if republican voters say you know what the president's right this was stolen on november 3rd it's fraudulent my vote's not going to count the same thing's going to happen so i'm just not going to bother this time it could make a difference because according to all the polling and, you know, take it for what it's worth, these races look to be very, very tight. And I mean, we know George is tight because it was just tight on November 3rd. I mean, how many millions of votes cast came down to, uh, you know, just over 10,000 votes difference. I mean, I think it is going to be really, really close. So any and all of these, these little things uh, are, are going to, I think could material affect the outcome on the margins. Yeah. Mark, when you have, you know, you don't know what the president's going to do. I think Tom's probably right in predicting that he's going to spend a, a bunch of time on the election and what he feels about it, um, even though, you know, the next stop is whether the control of the Senate becomes Chuck Schumer's majority leader or Mitch McConnell. No, no doubt. Look, I think one, I think it's good that he's going to go down um, and he's going to say what he's going to say as long as he says I need you to turn out because we can't have Chuck Schumer in charge of the Senate and have the Democrats with total control one part of a one party state in Washington and able to undo my entire legacy and pass socialist policies and pack the House and pack pack the Senate, pack, uh, pack the courts and all the rest of it. As long as he delivers that message, that's fine. But the problem is, is that, OK, so he did a rally a month ago and now he's doing a rally right before the election. He should be uh, he, this is this is his entire legacy on the line. This is a, this is the most important thing he's doing between now and uh, when he leaves office. He should be in Georgia every day campaigning as if his life depended on it. He's not. He's focused on 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 this this zany, quixotic effort to overturn the election, uh, an election that wasn't lost. Be if if it was if he had not alienated suburban voters where he went from two percent win in the suburban voters to losing by ten percent with suburban voters there wouldn't be enough fraud to overturn the, to, to have st stolen the election if it even existed. So, you know, he, he's focused on this quixotic effort to, to overturn the election at the expense of putting all of his time and effort into winning this and making this the first salvo of his campaign to win back the presidency in four years. If he goes out with a win, then that, that, that's, a, that's a sign of strength going forward. If he loses, his whole legacy is going to get undone by the, by the, by the, uh, the, Schumer, the Schumer Senate. 
I hear what you're saying, can, can Mark, I, but what do you say? What do you say to Trump supporters who are just they're pissed off? They think they got a raw deal from the beginning. They dealt with three plus years of Russia every day on their television screens and on the newspapers. They think the president did a lot of great things. They don't agree with everything he says and does, but think they're just, you know, on the short end of the stick. And now, because he's saying, you know, it's stolen, they believe him. Yeah. So what do you say to those people to get them engaged in Georgia or engaged in the political process going forward post Donald Trump? Well, first of all, I say they're right. <laughs> the, 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 see, I, I wrote a column right before the election saying with the mute button on, this is the greatest conservative presidency of my lifetime. And just list all the accomplishments that he's had. He's one of the he's one of the greatest from judges to pro-life to the economy. You name the topic, foreign policy, I mean, four Middle East peace deals, Arab-Israeli peace deals. It, it, this is one of the most accomplished conservative presidencies of my lifetime. And you're darn right, he got railroaded. The Mueller probe was, was tens of millions of dollars in two years spent chasing the, what turned out to be a conspiracy theory and followed by the impeachment debacle um, and all the rest of it. So, you know, there, the answer is there's nothing I can say or you can say or anyone can say to the Georgia voters that is going to turn them out except what Donald Trump says. Donald Trump is in the position right now of being the first president since Glover, Grover Cleveland in 1898, who has a realistic chance of winning the White House back in four years after losing it. And he needs to go out with a win. He needs to say to the voters in Georgia, all the accomplishments that we're so proud of will be reversed if the Democrats can't take hold of the Senate. And when I come back in four years, I won't be able to undo all the socialist policies they put into place. So if you want to, if you want to preserve our victories and set the path for me to come back in four years, I need you to, so the first battle is tomorrow. You need you to turn out and can, and can maintain and control the Senate. Then two years from now, we take back the House from crazy Nancy. And then four years from now, we take back the White House and we have all both houses of Congress and the White House under our control. Yeah. That's what Tom, uh, Tom, the, you know, that, that it would be a, something good for the president to say from Republicans' point of view. And they would love him to focus on January 5th. It seems he's focused on January 6th, which is the stand up and say that the election was stolen. You know, the New York Post which endorsed Donald Trump, front page says, Mr. President, stop the insanity. You lost the election. Here's how to save your legacy. And the opinion page in the New York Post goes on to list how he should spend his last 20 plus days. Yeah, well, I think Mark's being a bit unfair. Trump is hard at work on his handicap. And Brett can tell you how, how much work that takes. You want to get down to a five or a six. <laughs> um, he's got four years from that, Tom. <laughs> that was good. That January was good. 21st to work on his handicap. <laughs> so, no, but it, look, it was tough stuff from the New York Post. No question about it. I mean, it's, it's you know, if that editorial had appeared in the New York Times or Washington Post, people would dismiss it and say, ha, you know, they're, they're just doing their normal thing. But to come from the Post and the Post editorial page, which has been a big supporter of this president, endorsed him, as you said, you know, covered the Hunter Biden story when nobody else really would or did. It, it was it was pretty tough stuff, some strong medicine. And I think it goes to the point that Mark is making that I think a lot of Republicans you know, wanted to give this president space, thought he deserved the space to make his challenges, present his case in a court of law. Um, and he had time to do that. But now we're at the point where, you know, that window has closed. And I think it is time, you know, the New York Republicans, New York Post, um, folks in Washington are saying, look, this has gone, it's gone on too long. It's gone too far. And, and you really, you know, to Mark's point, 
Trump has viability moving forward. He is going to be the leader of the party. And whether if he wants to preserve the option to run four years from now, and he can run waving the bloody shirt, there's no question he, he can and he will do that. But to try and, you know, pull something on, on January 6th, uh, you know, is, is a, a bridge too far for even his many of his strongest supporters. And so, um, I, you know, I, I suspect he's going to listen to that message, whether he likes it or not, he's going to listen to it because it's, it's, I think, his only course of action. We'll hear from our panel after this. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Leslie, as you watch this and and Democrats watch this, obviously there's this... um want to just let it happen. But Democrats have their own issues as far as dealing with a Biden administration that's a little bit too moderate in its choices already for for some of the party. And um, it seems like it's setting up to be a fairly boring administration. A lot of people are going to welcome that. But the people who want dramatic transitional change are going to have a problem with that. Oh, definitely. And they're already, uh, you know, they're already signaling that. I mean, when you have uh, AOC, you know, basically saying that, you know, she doesn't think that Nancy Pelosi should be speaker technically, and even hints that she's not ready to be speaker, there's definitely uh, fragmentation within my party. Although the majority of Democratic voters and the majority of those in the House and the Senate are centrist and are moderate, like the president-elect Joe Biden, uh, the, the, the problem for the party is that there are more progressives that are coming in uh, certainly through um, the House. That number is definitely uh, growing. You know, a- additionally, Brett, I want to just uh, jump on uh, what Mark and Tom said, if you don't mind, because, yeah, go ahead. Uh, you know, a lot of what the president has done could really hurt Republicans. He has two of his own buddies, Attorney Sidney Powell. You have Lynn Wood saying, don't vote. Let's arrest Loeffler and Purdue and put real conservatives in there. That adds to that confusion uh, for uh, the voter. And even though the president is going down to Georgia, and even if he went down, as Mark said, every single day, remember, it, it, it's almost like the cult of personality that that's Donald Trump. It, it's not Loeffler. It's not Purdue. And even though Donald Trump has done well for some races throughout the country over the past four years in this election and uh, in the midterms a couple of years ago, You know, he didn't have a home run for all of them. So I think a lot of people show up for him. And I don't think all of those people will necessarily show up for Loeffler and Purdue, especially when they're confused as to, well, is Georgia a fraudulent voting system? Is the deck stacked against us or not? That could lead uh, some people to uh, stay home. And in a, in a sense, um, you know, it's it's almost like Republicans, you know, could have shot themselves in the foot uh, if uh, Democrats prevail in both races and uh, take over the majority uh, in the, in the Senate. Uh, I'm honestly, like I said, I'm a pessimist. I'm not sure that's going to happen. I, I, I if I had to bet, I'd say one's going to go D, one's going to go R. But I I I really feel that this, you know, I, I agree with you know, I agree with uh, Tom. Is it Tom that said that? 
the president is going to spend, and I'm not going to say half. I think Tom said half. No, he's not going to even spend half the time that he's speaking <laughs> on this race. He's going to yeah. mention their names. It's going to be a couple of sentences, maybe a paragraph, and then he's going to get into that fraud. And that is going to confuse voters. And if those Republicans don't turn out, and we're already seeing some problems, as you mentioned, Brett, in a couple of counties uh, in Georgia, that is problematic uh, yeah. for Republicans. Well, that, hoping- that's where he's going. I mean, that's where he's going is those places that are not performing in early votes like they did in the election. Uh, are we positive that Lynn Wood is not working for the Democrats? <laughs> yeah, are we positive? I mean, All arresting the two now. senators before the January 5th runoff is just not the tweet that you're looking for. for um, <laughs> well, I think for he re-election. gave money to Democrats, didn't he? I think he gave money to Obama. I don't think he's ever given money to Republicans. Well, there you go. We'll start the conspiracy theory here. But, uh, <laughs> but right, can, I, can I jump in and ahead. ask a question? Because Leslie yeah. said something interesting, which was she thinks they're going to go 1D1R. Leslie, so who are the voters who are going to turn out and vote either you know, for one Democrat and not for the other, or one Republican or not for the other, or, I mean, even more far-fetched, in my opinion, someone who's going to vote for you know John Ossoff and Kelly Loeffler or you know, Raphael Warnock and David Perdue. Like, no, why do you no, think Tom, they're not, not a package deal? Tom, that, no, that's not what I'm saying. Just look at the numbers and you know numbers even better than I there at Real Clear Politics. Uh, Loeffler in, it not only had, remember that was a three-way race originally, right? Mm-hmm. And you had- Even uh, more actually. And if you, just take, if you just take the percentages, 19, I'm just looking I at numbers and percentages, I just think that she has, uh, I think she has an, easier path to victory uh, than Purdue. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, he obviously was very close to getting to 50 percent. Purdue, he's only a couple thousand votes away from getting to 50.00 and avoiding a runoff. And, and he didn't. Ossoff has a pretty, pretty thin resume. If you look really down the, the road there, I mean, he's what, 33. And and it's it's interesting to watch. Uh, how these campaigns are dealing with not only the the individuals that they're running against, but also the broader context. And it seems, uh, Mark, that it's more about control of the Senate than it is the individual head-to-head candidate. It, it's not about the individual candidates. They're proxies. This is a national election. Uh, and this is this is literally about whether, I mean, if they if Democrats take control of the Senate, they will have completely unchecked power. They will get rid of the filibuster. They will be able to pass the most radical legislation possible. They'll have no need to compromise with the Republican minority. It's possible, but you got to get past Joe Manchin. Well, yeah, Uh, Joe Joe Manchin is going to stand with Mitch McConnell against his own president and and Speaker Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. How long will that last? He did that, that would have to be, uh, uh, you know, that would be, have to be a mighty, a mighty courageous thing to do and suicidal in the Democratic Party. I, I, I don't want to put, maybe he will, but I don't want to, I wouldn't want to risk my future on Joe Manchin's uh, spine, um, you know? And so this is a national election and that's why it's so important that Trump is down there, that Trump go down there and make this case and turn out his base because if, if this is lost, his chances of re- retaking the White House and the damage that can be done in the intervening period is immense. So yeah. he, he, it's up to him. Tom, we haven't seen as many polls as we usually do down there. Um, and uh, <laughs> we're, we're, I'm pretty happy about that because we were obsessed <laughs> with polls beforehand. But you are watch the polls. I mean, where where is this thing in, in the poll? Oh, it's tight. I mean, on both sides. Uh, we you know, the. Purdue has a two-tenths of 1% lead. We had four polls taken since basically the middle of, of December. 
Um, he leads in three of them. Asaf leads in one. And then on the other side, the last two polls that have come out uh, have Warnock ahead. And that race on, in our average is a, is a flat out tie. So, I mean, both races are essentially 50-50 coin flip, which is which is why I, I do buy the conventional wisdom. I think this is a package deal. I mean, you know, Ossoff, uh, uh, sorry, Leffler and Purdue are basically, you know, they're running as a team. They're doing joint rallies. They're doing joint ads, you know, and, and Ossoff and Warnock are doing the same thing. I mean, I just think it's all about turning out, you know, voters who are going to vote for both of these candidates. Um, if you're a Democrat or both of these candidates, if you're a Republican. So I don't see it splitting, you know, one one Republican, one Democrat. I just think it's it's going to be all or nothing for for both parties. And and clearly, you know, given how many people have already voted, we've seen. I mean, the turnout's going to be for especially for an, a special election on January fifth is is going to be astronomical. The Democrats have each raised a hundred million dollars. I mean, it seems like this is going to it's going to be every bit as competitive as it was uh, as the presidential race was on November third. Where does Trafalgar have it? Trafalgar has has uh, Kelly Loeffler up six uh, in his latest poll, and um, he has Purdue up two. So, and he actually, what's interesting about the Kelly Loeffler race is Trafalgar has Loeffler. He's taken two polls. Um, his first one was early December, had her up three, and that, then he had her in mid December, moving up plus six. The uh, the other poll, uh, other polls, the survey USA had Warnock up seven, still has Warnock up seven in their in their next poll. And then this Fox five uh, insider advantage had Kelly Leffler up one percentage point and then Warnock up two in their latest poll. So Trafalgar shows movement in favor of Leffler. Uh, another poll shows movement in favor of Warnock. And, and the third pollster shows it an absolutely unchanged race over the last two weeks. So um, <laughs> take that for what it's worth. OK, and we will. All right, panel, thanks a lot. Here's a bit of presidential trivia. On December 6, 1973, Gerald Ford was sworn in as vice president under Richard Nixon following the resignation of Nixon's first vice president, Spiro Agnew. Agnew resigned after pleading no contest to charges of income tax evasion, and Nixon filled the vacant office by nominating the representative from Michigan, Gerald Ford. Ford would later become the 38th president of the United States following the Watergate scandal. That will do it for us this week. You can hear more of this series at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Make sure to leave a rating and review. We want to hear from you. For Mark and Leslie and Tom, I'm Brett Baer. We'll see you next time. <laughs>